following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Do you know that tomorrow is a very, very important holiday for the church, for the world? Absolutely. Tomorrow... I know that we will all celebrate together Reformation Day in our costumes going door-to-door getting candy from strangers. Um, <laughs> Reformation Day is, uh, is the remembrance of Martin Luther nailing his 30, uh, 95 theses to the door uh, of, of the church, um, the Catholic Church, 95 theses of what is wrong with the Catholic doctrine. And that began the Reformation the beginning of the Protestant Church, and that's um, that's the tradition that we're uh, that we're in, um, believing that the the Bible means what it means, what it what it's it, it's never meant anything different, and we can trust God's word, and we can trust in Jesus alone for our salvation, our forgiveness. So we talk about sometimes the um, I don't know if I've ever said it out loud here, but the five solas. Uh, the sola is a um, the Latin word meaning only. Um, uh, so uh, by by grace alone, right? Sola uh, gratia. Not that we're Latin scholars, but uh, by we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. Right? That's what the Reformation was really all about, and because of of the work of the reformers, we're able to gather in, in Christ's name and rest solely on God's grace for our forgiveness and salvation. And I'm grateful for that. So um, we're going to turn to um, Luke chapter 6, um, verses 27 through 36. And that's page 862 in the Pew Bibles. I'm going to take a breath and hang on. Yeah, that's probably the second cup of coffee wasn't a good idea today. So this buckle up. This could go really fast. (laughs) So as you may be aware, um, there are different types of preaching and teaching in the church. Um, Two main types, really, of of sermons, I guess, Um, Topical sermons and expository sermons. Topical preaching and expository preaching. Um, Topical preaching, not tropical preaching like where Forrest and Peg will be um, soon, but uh, topical preaching is when the speaker chooses a topic to talk about and finds scriptures that apply to that topic so that the hearers can learn what the Bible says about a particular subject. Um, A few weeks ago, uh, Will preached uh, on the topic of choices, right, um, and shared verses that pertain to that topic uh, so that we could better understand what the Bible says about making godly choices. Um, expository preaching is a preaching, um, a mode of preaching that you're, uh, if you've been here, uh, more, if this is your second time, you've experienced expository preaching before because that's the mode of preaching um, that, you, that I typically uh, follow uh, in expository preaching, the preacher um, selects a text from Scripture, 
um, and attempts to discover the original author's meaning, um, shares the implication of those principles, and then the general and sometimes specific application of the principles there in the text. Um, yeah, and this is what I attempt most of the time uh, with the Holy Spirit's help uh, with the occasional topical sermon usually sprinkled in around the holidays. Um, and there have been a lot of great expositors through the years, uh, and I quote them, uh, some of them often, um, people like Alistair Begg and Ray Steadman and John Calvin, Martin Luther. Um, but do you know who the best expositor ever is? Not was, because he is still alive. And no, it isn't me. Uh, it's Jesus. Um, and in our text for today, he proves it, that he is a great expositor. Um, he does all of the work of expositing this text for us, which, or, well, for me. And I'm going I'm to read it for you. Um, that really kind of made this um, really easy because he did all the work. So let's look at our text, and hopefully you'll see that Jesus is not only the best expositor, but the message that he gave us and exposited for us is life-changing as well. So Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that it is by your grace alone that we are able to come to you in faith. And we pray now that your Holy Spirit would speak through your word, that you have protected for us throughout the ages. It has always uh, meant what it means. Um, even though the application may change. Lord, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would uncover the meaning for us so that we would understand the implications of that meaning and apply that, uh, those principles to our lives, that we would be different as a result of our time together in your word because your Holy Spirit spoke. So, Lord, we give you this time for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, if you were here last week or listened online last week, um, you may remember that Jesus had, uh, Jesus had just given the Beatitudes, right? What's a Beatitude? It's a blessing, right? It's just the Latin word for blessing. Uh, he also gave uh, something other than the blessings, right? 
Whoa. He gave the woes. And that's important to remember, uh, especially as we get into our text this morning, because our, our text this morning starts with another important word, but. Right? So you can't just jump in um, with a but, because he is making reference to things that he already said. Jesus had the, the uh, great privilege of taking more time than, than we can this morning on not breaking his uh, Sermon on the Mount up into bite-sized chunks for us. Um, he gave it all at once. So, um, But we have to split it up, so that's what we're going to do. The blessings and the woes that Jesus pronounced have a tendency to, to create a dichotomy, right? A, a split between people, right? Those that have the blessings and those that have the woes, right? And it's natural for us to think this way, um, that there are the blessed and there are the the woed, the woe begotten. Uh, yeah, the, I, I don't know. It's a bad news anyway. Um, it, what, what, I mean, can you think of a story that doesn't have a good guy and a bad guy? I mean, a protagonist and an antagonist? That's just how stories go. Um, and Jesus' sermon is instructive here, this text is instructive on how to deal with that rift between people. And here's how, here's how this text breaks down. Um, and this is why I say that Jesus is expositing his own word here. Uh, it breaks down into the message and the meaning, the implications and the application, right? Sounds like a four-point sermon, right? Well, it, it, it isn't. It's a, it's a one-point sermon, um, so here's, here's the message, verses 27 and 28. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. You know why sermons are hard? Because we're often told things we don't want to hear. We're told to do things we don't want to do. And I think that this is one of them. It's as if Jesus is saying, those I've, though I've pronounced these woes on certain people, your adversaries, right? In your mind, you, you've drawn a line. There's the us and the them. But Jesus says, don't hate them. Love them. You know, and as much as I like finding deeper, richer meaning in a more complete translation of key words like love, and enemies, and blessings, and cursing, and prayer. With this text, it's all right here on the surface. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. We could probably just close in prayer. Here's the meaning behind the message, verses 29 through 31. Jesus says to the, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So Jesus gives us some great examples to illustrate what he meant by love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And I don't think like we can 
get around this. Like, we want to kind of make a loophole. Uh, this is a solid. This is a solid statement. There's no way around this. There's love your enemies, you know, except for this person, the kind of people that do that sort of thing, or, 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 whatever. There is no. There's no hole. There's no way to get around this. It's very clear. This is what he meant by love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. It's natural to revisit offense with offense, violence with violence. Somebody strikes you on the cheek, what's the natural thing to do? Smack them back, right? I mean, I, I, know, I know I'm not the only one here, right? When someone wrongs us, we naturally want vengeance. But that's not the way of Christ. The way of Christ is to love regardless of how we are treated, regardless of whether or not that love is returned or reciprocated. It's easy to love people who love us. It's hard to love people who don't. But people who hate us or are indifferent to our Existence, who don't care. There's no, I, I, I've heard that there's a hidden insult here. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn, you know, if they hit you on the right cheek, then turn your left cheek. Oh, that'll get them, right? Like, like there's some kind of hidden uh, cultural insult here, you know, because to strike someone on the right cheek, you know, you have to use your left hand, and that's more insulting than using your right hand. But, right? If it's that confusing, it's wrong. It just it doesn't make any sense. This is not Jesus is not offering some kind of cultural retribution that we just don't get. Um, he isn't being sneaky here. No shifty code hiding in there. The meaning is right here on the surface. Someone, off, uh, someone strikes you on one cheek, offer the other cheek. Don't strike them back. So this is the definition of meekness, right? Meekness doesn't mean weakness. It doesn't mean surrender. It means self-control. It's strength under control. You, it's within your power to strike back, but you choose not to. That's meekness, right? It may be in your power to refuse to give up your coat or your shirt or your stuff, but Jesus says, don't. Give it up. Just give it up. Somebody demands your coat, give it to them. Offer, offer your shirt as well. Give to everyone who demands stuff from you. From the one who takes away your stuff, don't demand it back. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. This is the golden rule, right? I mean, I grew up with this pasted on the wall of our elementary school classrooms. I don't know how many elementary school classrooms nowadays have this on the wall. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Not that they will, right? This is not a manipulation. I'm nice to you so that you will be nice to me. I will do good to you so that you will do good to me. You can't forget when someone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other. 
This is not a manipulation. We aren't responsible for the attitudes and responses of other people. We're not. So give that up. Forget it. It's none of your business anyway. We're only responsible for ourselves, and this is what Jesus commands us to do. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. This is like the most simple and hardest thing to wrap my brain around. I know that you're all good at this stuff, but this is what Jesus meant when he said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Don't you want people to pray for you? Don't you want people to be good to you? That's what you want. Not that you're going to get it, but treat people the way you want to be treated. So what are the implications of this message, of the, of this, the meaning of this message? What is it that Jesus is trying to say to us? So look at verses 32 to 34. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. I, I love that Jesus makes this so clear. Not easy, but clear at least. We can understand what he's saying. This makes the expositor's task really easy. <laughs> here's the message. Here's what I meant. And here's what, what the implications are for your life. The implication is that the life of the Christ follower is different from those who don't follow Christ. Right? When he says sinners, you know, sinners love those who love them, sinners uh, lend to people they expect in return, He's just saying, like, we're all sinners, right? So we're all in that category. But the, what he's, the comparison he's making here is people that follow Christ and people that don't follow Christ, right? There's only two kind of people in the world. And on Judgment Day, there's only going to be two lines. There's going to be the people who trust in Jesus and the people who don't. That's it. There's no middle ground. There's nothing in between. So he says... People that don't trust me, that don't follow me, that don't believe in me, haven't had their sins forgiven. They still like they're they're still like deal with people in a decent manner, right? They they love their loved ones and they lend to people and expect in return and they do all these things. It's normal. What Jesus is saying is that you're not you're more than that. We're more than that. Lend to those you don't expect to get back. Love those who don't love you. Be good to those who aren't like you, who don't agree with you, who don't, who don't believe in any of this. The life of the Christ follower is different from those who do not follow Christ. It's a life marked by love, not just Loving those who love us, that's easy. It's loving those who hate us. Loving everybody, regardless of how they treat us. The life of following Christ 
is a life of following his example. I think that's a, a, a point that we get crossed up on sometimes, that being a Christian is just believing that Jesus lived, he died, and rose again. Right? That's important, but that's not all of following Christ. That's not following Christ at all. That's agreeing with facts. That's that the scholars call that intellectual assent. Did Jesus live? Yes. Did Jesus die on the cross? Yes. Did Jesus rise from the grave? Yes. Did he do all of that for your sin? Yes. Is George Washington the first president of the United States? Yes. Agreeing with facts gets us nowhere. It's trusting in the person. And that's following the person of Jesus. Following his word. Now, I'm not saying that you uh, that this is some kind of add-on. We are saved by faith in Christ alone. But that faith is not simply agreeing with facts. It's trust. It's following. It's submission. Submitting our lives to Christ in his direction. And loving the way he has commanded us to love. The life of following Christ is a life of following his example. He loves those who hate him. He prayed for the forgiveness of the men who were crucifying him while they were doing it. He continues to bless and to give and to love those who may never return that love. Who may never turn to him in faith. And he's asking us to do the same as his followers. If you don't think that Jesus loves those who don't believe in him or have outright rejected him, he's the one who's holding their atoms together. That's love. He's the one that keeps their heart beating and breathing in and out. That's love. The implication here is that the real blessings are not on this earth. They're not in this life. As the scholar said, divine recompense is our reward. And therein lies the application in verses 35 and 36. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Loving our enemies, doing good, lending, expecting nothing in return, will not make us sons of the Most High. Only faith in Jesus Christ can do that. And when I say sons, that's, that includes all of us, regardless male or female, right? Children of the Most High. Loving our enemies, doing good, lending, expecting nothing in return will not make us sons and daughters of God. It will prove that we are sons and daughters of God because we'll be acting like our Father, being kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So two things that we should notice here. Um, number one, these are not suggestions from Jesus. 
This is not just advice about how to live a good life. Here's how, you know, here's what I think being a good person looks like. Maybe you should try it on. Nope. These are commands. These are imperatives. Jesus is saying we must love our enemies. Is that okay? We must love our enemies. We must do good. We must lend expecting nothing in return. We must do good to those who hate us. We must bless those who curse us. We must pray for those who abuse us. So this isn't like when you reach level 10, you're going to act like this, right? This is what Jesus says. If you follow me, this is what you do. This is what following Jesus looks like. The second thing to notice is that we are to be merciful as he is merciful, as his sons and daughters, because that's what our Father in heaven is like, and that's how he acted towards us. We were once We were once ungrateful. Maybe we're still ungrateful. We were once evil. Maybe we're still evil. And God is still merciful towards us. In Matthew's version of this account, he says, uh, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, there's a bite. Right? Needs a little more investigation. The word is complete. Be complete as your father is complete. Our father does not just love those who love him. He does not just bless those who bless him. He loves those who hate him. Those people who have made a career out of rejecting God and deceiving people and accusing him and accusing the church of all kinds of horrible things. He loves them. Why should we be different? Do we have more rights than him? Maybe we think we think we have more right to be offended. How dare you say something like that about me or about the church or about Jesus? How dare you? That's not what God acts like. In his mercy, he spared us and all the punishment that is due them because of our sin. In his mercy, he paid the debt we did not owe with his own life on the cross. He's saying, show that same mercy that he showed to those who wrong us or hate us or take from us. In his mercy, he exchanged his life for ours so that we could be forgiven through faith in Jesus. And so... We ought to also act in mercy with the same hope that the Father will use that mercy to bring many more people to faith in his Son. You think about what happens when someone who stands up 
and, and spits on you or verbally harasses you or smears your name on the Internet or whatever, and you lash out and you give it right back to them, what hope does that action have to bring that person to Christ? Zero. Less than zero. If Christ followers do not act like Christ, there will not be more Christ followers. We're going to continue to drive people away by breaking rule number one. Don't be a jerk. We need to act like Jesus act. Love, do good, lend, bless, pray, regardless of how we're treated by anybody. Because that's what Jesus did. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, for your spirit, for your example. We thank you that in your great love for the world, you gave your one and only son, that whoever would trust in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you for this um, instruction, for this message to love those who hate us, even those who mildly disagree with us. Lord, we need your help to do that. We can't do that by ourselves. We can't do that in our own flesh. We need the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us and on us, changing us to make us more like Jesus. Father, I pray for um, for each one. Um, we all have those relationships that are hard, where we disagree, and um, it's a challenge to love those people, at least the way that your word describes love. So we ask for your help in those situations. We need more of your grace. Help us, Lord, to love like Jesus loved, not just in word, but in deed, in action, and in truth. That we'd act like Jesus did. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.